please be seated. Uh, you can open your Bible to, first to Galatians 5. We're just going to look at one verse there, and then we're going to immediately go over to 1 Corinthians 9. So you might want to have your finger in both places. Uh, Galatians 5, verse 1. If you're using a pew Bible, that's on uh, page 974. And then we're going to go over to 1 Corinthians 9, and we're going to look at verses 19 through 27, and that's on page 957 if you're using a pew Bible. While you're going there, I will just say that Pastor Todd and Susan are taking a little time off. They're at a marriage conference in uh, Scroon Lake, I think. Uh, And yeah, now if you know anything about Pastor Todd, you know why there are these big smiles on his face on Facebook, right? Because we're seeing snow and this kind of thing. There you go. There's Pastor Todd and Paul and Helen Shoemaker and Susan. They're having a great time. Uh, pray for him to have a refreshment while they're gone. Uh, he needs some time off, and that's a, good, that's a good refreshment for him. He loves the snow. Galatians chapter 5. Now look at that. I, oh, there we go. I, I lost my page. Now I'm back. Galatians 5.1 simply says this. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do, sit, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Now over to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 27. 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 27. Paul says, For though I am free, I'm free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable So I do not run aimlessly, I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest, after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is wonderful, it's quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the dividing of bone and marrow, soul and spirit. We thank you for the fact that you brought us into this place today so that we can study your word and hear your word. And we pray that you'll speak to us today. We need your Holy Spirit to instruct us. Lord Jesus, we need you to teach us today out of your word. You are the living word. So pierce us to the heart today. Put within us the sweetness of your word, the fire of your spirit, the zeal of our salvation. Help us to be concerned about the fact that many do not know the freedom that we have. 
Thank you, Lord, for this privilege and help us with these things. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Freedom. Freedom. Paul talks about freedom. When my oldest son was in undergraduate school at a university, a state school in Virginia, he had a roommate by the name of Charles. Brent and Charles and I think a couple of other guys had rented up an apartment together. My wife and I were missionaries on the field, so we only got to see him every now and again, and we would come home. And I remember going down the first time and uh, meeting uh, uh, Charles, one of Brent's roommates in, in the apartment. And Charles was a nice guy. He was a, he was a nice young man. He was a guy who had done very well in, in high school, uh, was uh, at uh, a good university in the state of Virginia. Uh, he came from a good family. Uh, his family, if I'm not mistaken, was involved in uh, local government where they were from. Uh, Charles seemed to have every resource. He didn't have to work. He could devote full time to school. And so it seemed ideal. He was a nice young man, seemed to have good values, and uh, everything in life before him looked like it was going to be a wonderful experience for him. How surprised we were a couple of years ago to find that Charles had passed away, and that even as a young man, his life had taken a terrible, tragic direction. We talked to our son about this, and we said, what happened to Charles? And he says, Dad, what you didn't know about Charles was that when he got to college for the first time in his life, he had the freedom to live any kind of way he wanted to live. And instead of using that freedom for the benefit of others and for his own benefit, he actually just kind of went wild. He involved himself in alcohol, he involved himself in drugs, and the whole result of the thing was that at a tragically young age, that man slipped from this life into eternity. That happened to him not because he did not have advantages. He had great advantages. It happened to him because the privileges and the gifts that he had been given became for him not a benefit, but the greatest plague of his life. He had freedom, but if we use our freedom in the wrong way, we simply enslave ourselves again and make a mess of everything. The Apostle Paul wants us to know about this. He's writing to these two churches, the churches in Galatia and this church in Corinth, and he he brings up this matter of freedom. He says to the Galatians, it's for freedom that you've been made free. And we'll explain that as we go along. Just hold that thought in mind. Right now we're going to do our study out of 1 Corinthians 9, where he talks to the Corinthian church about freedom. And if there's one big idea of what we're going to say today, it's that verse out of Galatians. It is for freedom that Christ has made us free. It's for freedom that Christ has made us free. Paul, talking to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19, starts out with a statement. He says, though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. If you want to have the whole message in a nutshell, that's the message in a nutshell. Paul really is going to take us through three things, and all of them are right there in that verse. Paul tells us three things. One of the things he tells us is, he says, I am free. I'm free. I'm free from all. There's no, I have freedom. But then he says, second thing, I have used my freedom in a certain way that allows me to become the servant of others. What an interesting concept to be free and yet to voluntarily make yourself a servant. 
And then the third thing that Paul tells us in that verse is, I have done that for a purpose. And the purpose I've done that for is so that others might share in the freedom that I know. This is where we're going to move today. So if you're a note taker, be ready. We're going to go through those three points. All right, here we go. Very first thing Paul says is, he says that we have been given freedom in Christ. Paul says, though I am free from all. Now, I wonder what Paul means by that. If you're free... Uh, you don't have to. Uh, well, you don't have to pay taxes, right? If you're free, you, are you free? You're free, but you don't, but you've got to pay taxes. What are you doing paying taxes? Don't you know you're free? Don't you know this? Well, uh, let's see about this. You go into work tomorrow, and uh, your boss says, "Listen, I want you to do that spreadsheet that you've been avoiding for six months. I've got to have that thing today." You say, "I don't have to do that. I'm free," and he says, "You sure are." Right? Okay? Is, is he, the first thing that we have to understand is he's not talking about freedom from the authorities that we all live under on planet Earth. We all live under authority on planet Earth, don't we? I mean, all of us answer to somebody. We're either answering to our boss or we're answering to the government or we're answering to our mama, but we're all answering to somebody. We're all under the normal authority on planet Earth. I have really bad news for you as a Christian. Being a Christian does not give you the freedom to ignore the authorities in your life. Isn't that a disappointment? It is. If you are driving down 27 at 95 miles an hour and the policeman flips on the light and stops you, the excuse that you are a Christian is not going to keep you from getting a ticket. It is not. Paul says, well, I'm a Christian, but it's not that kind of freedom that he's talking about. It's not the freedom from normal authority that God has placed all of us under. It's a different kind of freedom that Paul is talking to us about. He's talking about a freedom of the conscience, a freedom of the conscience. Because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross of Calvary, our conscience has been washed clean from the guilt that we all carried before we came to Christ. Don't you remember what it was like before you came to Christ? The guilt the pain, the, the sense of inadequacy, the sense of uh, being in over your head. And then you came to Christ, and what happened? The guilt went away, and you walked around for days and weeks saying, praise God, something wonderful has happened. Paul is talking about that freedom. You've been given a freedom in Jesus Christ that releases your conscience from the domination of guilt and sin. And furthermore, you have a freedom that says, nobody on earth has the right to call my conscience into question again. Why is that? Because Jesus Christ has made me free. This is the freedom that Paul is talking about. If we think about the gifts we've been given as believers in Jesus Christ, the freedom that we have received is simply astounding. It's simply astounding. All of us, before we came to Christ, were slaves to three different, terrible, overbearing masters. Every human being who's born onto planet Earth is born into this experience with a sin nature that we've inherited from Adam, which makes us immediately slaves. From the moment of our birth, we're slaves. We are slaves to three great enemies. The first of our enemies that we're a slave to is the world system. The world system. And the world system is always trying to tempt us into doing what God does not want us to do. This is the way the world system works on us. The world system says, 
I will distract you. I will carry you off in directions that will keep your mind as far away from God as possible and will tempt you into doing things that you know very well you shouldn't do. And the world is busy at it every day. Have you not found that the world is not your friend? The world is not our friend. The world is not trying to help us get home to God. Let me give you an example. Just last night, I was, uh, we came home from something. What were we doing? We did something. We had the prayer thing over here last night. Okay, so we came home from that and, uh, you know, had a pretty good full day. And I thought, well, you know, here's what I'm going to do. I'll watch a little TV before I go to bed. So I like documentaries and I love history. History is my thing. And so I saw this documentary that I could watch on... Uh, on a, an early, uh, a, a first century Roman city. And they're excavating this thing and they found some interesting things. And I thought, well, that looks interesting. I'll watch that. So I'm sitting there in my living room, you know, just doing what I do. I'm watching this, this history guy. And they're showing me the inside of a Roman villa, you know, that first century. This would have been Nero's time. And so they've unearthed these walls and these walls are painted with these beautiful frescoes, you know where the artists had painted scenes on them. And as the camera is scanning across there, suddenly there was first century pornography. And I'm thinking, really? This is PBS. This can't happen. It is. It was the most vulgar stuff you've ever seen. And I'm thinking, I don't want to see this. And I turned it off. And I couldn't get it out of my mind for the rest of the night. Can I get a witness? Right? Why? Because the world, the world, the world is not your friend. They're always trying to pull you off into what you can't, what you shouldn't be involved in. The world system is against you. But thank Jesus Christ, by his death on the cross, he has brought us deliverance from the world system. He's taken you out of this place and put you into the kingdom of light. You belong to him. You're not in this kingdom anymore. And he has given you deliverance. How did he do it? He did it in this way. His death on the cross, as we just sang that song, on the cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied, right? God's wrath was satisfied against us on Jesus Christ's cross. And after the resurrection, Jesus has poured out on his people the Holy Spirit. And I got some good news for you. There's power on the inside of you today. If you've come to faith in Jesus Christ, if you've put your faith in him, There is a living power of God on the inside of you that you can call upon in your moment of need that will give you deliverance from the power of the world. There will be a way to escape. Paul tells us in another place that there's no temptation that's that's common to man that has power to deliver us. God has made a way of escape, and the way of escape is the Word of God and the power of God on the inside of us. Thank God. We've got to deliver. Turn to your neighbor and say, thank God, I've got to deliver. You've got to deliver. You've got to deliver. You've been released. Thank the Lord for it. The other enemy that's after us all the time is the flesh. The flesh. It's the old sin nature. You may be a Christian. You may be saved well enough. But have you noticed that your sin nature is still kicking around in there? You think, what kind of a deal is this? Jesus died on the cross for me, but I'm still finding stuff on the inside of me all the time that's trying to pull me off in the wrong direction, that's trying to get me to do stuff I know I shouldn't do. I thought I was delivered. You have been delivered. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8 that Jesus' death on the cross, again, has 
broken the power of the sin nature, that we're delivered from the power of the sin nature. But here's the way it works, dear ones. The sentence has been passed, but the executioner hasn't arrived yet. The sentence has been passed at the cross. At the cross, the death of Jesus Christ condemned the old nature. It condemned the flesh. It condemned the power of sin that's alive inside of you. But the the sentence hasn't been carried out yet. The executioner is still on the way. But one of these days, there's going to be an end to that. And in the interim time, you've got two things that will help you. And what you've got that will help you, again, same two things. It's the Word of God and it's the power of God. It's the Spirit of God inside of you. You know, the old sin nature mostly works through our desires, doesn't it? We, we know we're not supposed to see that thing, or we know we're not supposed to say that thing, or we know we're not supposed to do that thing, or we know we shouldn't have that thing, and yet we find rising up on the inside of us a desire that says, yeah, but I want that. How do you combat that? Thank God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's by filling your mind with the Word of God, saturating your soul with, the, with God's Word, And it's by the power of the Spirit that lives inside of you that you can be delivered from the power of the flesh. The execution hasn't taken place yet, but in the interim, you've got a strong deliverer who lives in you and helps you. And how does he help you? He helps you by tearing down the lies that have been built up in your mind, the lies that have been built up in your mind that are trying to pull you away from God. And it's the Word of God that does the work, and it's the Spirit of God that does the work. So we have... Freedom from the world, and we have freedom from the flesh. But there's one more terrible enemy that still is trying to keep us in his grasp. But he has no right to do that. It's the world, the flesh, and... Ah, there you go. Somebody's been taught the Bible in this church. Say amen. All right. It's the world, the flesh, and the devil. The devil is always after you. And let me tell you how he's going to try to get you. He's going to try to get you by lying to you. That's the only tool he's got. It's the only tool he's got. The devil's going to do everything he can to put ideas in your mind that are going to take you away from God and that are going to make you doubt that God has been honest with you and that God will keep his promise. That's what he does. The devil is a liar and he is the father of lies. And he is, and by the way, let's just be clear about this. When you meet an individual or a person who is living by the lie, you can know without mistake exactly whose authority they're under and who they're working for. But deliverance has come from that too because Jesus Christ who died on the cross for me and you is the way and the truth and the life. And in Jesus Christ, we have been given the truth to combat the lies of Satan. And the power of God through His Word and the power of God through His Spirit will transform our minds, will renew us, will tear down the strongholds that Satan has built up that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. And as we live in our Bible and as we live in dependence on the Holy Spirit of God, we find a marvelous and wonderful thing happening. What is it? It's freedom. Freedom. Freedom from the sin that's enslaved us. Freedom from the old master. We have been given a tremendous and enormous freedom. Now, what shall we do with it? And there's only one answer. Celebrate. Right? Free. What, what do you think the slaves did when they were finally free? When, when, when the war was over and there was finally an opportunity 
There was finally an opportunity. There was no law that would, would hinder them anymore. They could walk free. Don't you think they were willing to celebrate? And yet many of them continued to live in the same conditions. You know why? Because they didn't know they were free. I want you to know something today. I want you to know that Jesus Christ has made you free. I want you to know that these are your rights as a Christian. It is your right as a Christian to be free from the domination of the world. It is your right as a believer in Jesus Christ to be free from the domination of the flesh. It is your right, it's your birthright as a Christian to be free from the domination of the devil. Jesus Christ has purchased all of this for us on the cross of Calvary. Live free. Live free. Understand that nobody can bring you back into domination again. Nobody has a right to accuse your conscience again. Jesus Christ has paid the price, and Jesus Christ has made you free. Celebrate. Celebrate. Now, Paul says, celebrate. But the thing that he says immediately is, but let me tell you how I use my freedom. Let me tell you how I use my freedom. Look at verses 20. And uh, reading on down from verse 20. Paul says, now I'm going to use my freedom. I have this freedom. Nobody can command my conscience. I have the right to, to choose to live my life any way I want to. Christ has made me free. But let me tell you, Paul says, how I use my freedom. He said, to the Jews, I become as a Jew in order to win the Jews. And to those under the law, I become as one under the law, though not myself being under the law, that I might win those under the law. Paul's going to tell us that there are three different kinds of individuals that he uses his freedom to benefit. The first of these is this in these verses that we've just read, where Paul is talking about the fact that when he's around Jewish people, he lives like a Jewish guy. And you say, now, why would he do that? He's free. He can live like anybody he wants. And yet we find this in the Scripture, that Paul was, he was very Jewish when he was around Jewish people. Why, why did he do that? See, I want to suggest to you that the Jewish people were the religious people. And so when Paul was around the religious people, he lived like a religious guy. I hope you know that being religious is not the same as being saved. I hope you understand that being religious is not the same as being saved. There are a lot of religious people in this world who need Jesus Christ to come into their heart and save them and take them from death to life. Did you know that? See, I have a peculiar advantage. You know, some people just like being religious. Have you, ever, you know, some people just like it. They like the, the stained glass, and they like the organ, and they like the sound of the choir. Uh, you know, or they like to come in and have lively worship and music and that kind of thing. See, I'm a Baptist by, by background. And I can tell you something about every Baptist church in America. Would you like to know something? I'll tell you what it is. It's that there's a particular aroma in all the kids' Sunday school rooms. Every one of them smell exactly alike. doesn't matter whether you're in, in Georgia or North Carolina or where you're at. You walk into a Baptist Sunday school, and the aroma in those rooms is juicy fruit. <laughs> right? At least it was in my era. Now, maybe it's different now. Maybe they're chewing something different these days. But when I was a kid, juicy fruit was the, one everybody, the gum everybody wanted. You had to have gum to get through Sunday school. And, of course, it got stuck under the chairs, and the, 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 these rooms are permeated with, you know, there are some people who just like the smell of juicy fruit. Uh, some people go to, go to church for that reason. They just, they just like it. Paul says, I'm going to hang out with those people. 
I'm going to hang out with those people. I'm not going to reject those people. I'm going to actually move into their world, and I'm going to make like I'm one of them. I'm not going to cross my conscience. I'm not going to do anything I shouldn't do. I'm not going to imply anything that's not true, but I'm going to hang out with those people. I'm going to use my freedom to live like they live so that I can introduce them to what real freedom is. You see? You see what he says? He says, I'm going to use my freedom to help others find freedom. And if it means that I, I have to put up with the smell of juicy fruit, I'll do it. Right? So this is what Paul says. There is that. So he's hanging out with the religious people so that they can be free. But look what he says. He's got another group that he talks about in verse 21. To those outside the law. These are the outlaws. He says, to those, these are the pagans. These are the guys who would have painted those walls on that house that I saw the picture of last night. Right? These are the outlaws. He says, to the outlaws, to those outside the law, I became as one outside the law. Not being outside the law of God myself, but under the law of Christ. I did it so that I might win those outside the law. What he says is, I don't mind hanging out with the pagans. Again, he's not going to do anything that crosses the demands of his conscience. He's not going to do anything that is improper. He's not going to do anything he shouldn't do. But he's not going to shut these people out of his life as if somehow they're contagious. He said, no. Uh, if I need to go down to the, to, the, to the bar to meet some guys so we can talk, I'm going to do that. Paul says, now, I'm not going to do anything improper down there, but I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to hang out. I'm going to be in their world. And the reason I'm going to be in their world is because they need freedom. And the greatest desire of Paul's heart was that the people he was hanging out with would know the freedom that he himself had experienced. Don't you want others to know the freedom that you found in Christ? It does, is it, are social barriers going to keep us from crossing over into people's lives and being able to bring them into the freedom that we've been given? What a thing it would be if we became that kind of people, wouldn't it? Paul says, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to cross the line. I'm going to be in their world so that I can introduce them to the freedom that I have come to enjoy myself. Then he talks about another group of people. He says, uh, I became weak to the weak, verse 22. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. Paul says, there's another group of people. It's these weak people. Now, we don't have to wonder who these are. Paul tells us. He tells us in Romans who they are. He tells us here in Corinthians who they are. These are people who are believers in Jesus Christ, but they're weak. You say, what do you mean by that? These are people who don't understand the religion that they have actually joined. In other words, can I just put this, I don't want to be unkind, they're ignorant people. They don't know what the Christian faith is all about. These are the kind of people who carry their Bible to church every Sunday, but the only two books that they have any possibility of finding are Genesis and Revelation, because it's the first and the last, and everything on the inside is a mystery to them. And because of that, what actually happens in their lives is they're weak and they wander and they're, they're susceptible prey for the enemies that they've been given freedom from. And Paul says, now I'm not going to shut them out and I'm not going to act like I'm holier than they are. I'm going to move into their life so that I can win them to the freedom that I myself know. Do they need to be saved? No, they don't need to be saved. What they need is maturity. And Paul says, I'm going to make it my business to hang out with these people. 
so that I can help them come to the maturity that they're lacking in their lives. His great desire was to see everybody who named the name of Christ grow up into faith in the Christian life. Isn't that a great desire? And let me tell you what Paul is saying. He's saying, I've been given this great gift. I've been given this great gift of freedom, but I'm going to use it in one way and in one way only. I'm going to make myself a servant so that others can be free. What's the challenge here? What's the, what's the application here? I think the application here is, who do we care about? Who do we care about? How could it be that we could receive a gift like this and yet our attention could be so far away from caring about those who are outside the faith? My wife and I walk together. Uh, this is one of the things we do early in the morning. And we have these conversations, and most of the time it's a theological conversation. It may surprise you or it may not. But uh, we've been doing worship-based prayer here at Bible Fellowship for a while. And you know, if you've been involved in the worship-based prayer, you know that we, we open the Scripture and we say, okay, we're going to take our starting point in prayer from the Scripture. And we ask two questions. And the question we ask, the first question is, where is God here? What is it telling us about God and how great is God and where is the worthiness of God? That's question number one. Question number two is, where are we? Where is our neediness? What do we, how do we need to respond in these verses? And it's a wonderful way of doing prayer. But uh, my wife said to me as we were walking the other day, I've noticed something interesting. I said, whoa, what have you noticed? She said, well, I noticed that we talk a little bit about the worthiness of God, but we talk a lot about us. And, and, and if you notice this, we do this. We're, we're very much turned in. Do you know there's a way of being a Christian that's that's focused on you instead of focused on anything else? I hope you know about cat and dog theology. Do you know about cat and dog theology? Oh, you've got to know about this. It's so good that you came to church today so you can learn this. Well, it's very simple. It's, it's just like this. If you go out on the street and you find a dog that's starving and homeless, and you pick it up and take it home and give it a bath and feed it, and give it a good place to sleep and let it rest up, the dog will look at you and say, you must be God. If you do the same thing to a cat, you go find this starving cat, you pick it up, you bring it home, you clean it up, you give him food, you give him a place to sleep, the cat looks at you and says, I must be God. (laughs) Some of us are cat theology Christians. Christianity is all about what I want and what I need, and the rest of the world can pretty well work it out for themselves. Right? This is a perversion of Christianity. This is not normal Christianity. When we become self-focused, when our attention, when the only thing that we think Christianity is good for is to meet our needs, to keep us from being sick or to keep us from being poor or to keep us from losing our job, thank God all of those things can be had for, for us. But that isn't why Jesus died on the cross, dear ones. It isn't. It's for freedom that Christ has made you free. He made you free so that you could bring others to freedom. That's what that verse in in Galatians means. The whole reason Jesus died for us was so that we could have the privilege of giving our freedom away to others who don't have it. That's the whole reason. I don't want to burst your bubble, but when Jesus was on the cross, he was not thinking about you. When Jesus was on the cross, and look at his seven sayings, look at his seven sayings on the cross, Jesus was thinking about one thing. 
He was thinking about fulfilling the will of his father. He was there to do the father's will. And doing the father's will, because Jesus did the father's will, we were made free. We were made free. Dear ones, Christianity is not cat theology, it's dog theology. It's looking out at others who have a need and saying, my life is for them. My life is not about me. Because that's what Jesus did for you and me. That's what Jesus did for you and me. Paul gives us one final exhortation, and this is in verses 24 through 27. He ends with a challenge. He's talked to us about the fact that Jesus has given us freedom, and he's talked to us about helping others to find that freedom. And now he says, if I can just put it very simply, he says, live life like you mean it. Live life like you mean it. Make sure that you're living life like you mean it. He uses an athletic metaphor here. He's writing to people in Corinth. There was a thing called the Isthmian Games that were every other uh, year, and they were like the Olympic Games. They were, people would come and run, they would wrestle, they would box, uh, very much along the line of the, of the Olympic Games, the ancient games. And uh, this was a big deal. People would come from all over the Roman Empire to this. And every now and again, the emperor would show up. And the emperor didn't show up to be a spectator. The emperor showed up to participate in the games. Now, let me ask you a question. If you're boxing with the emperor, who's going to win? Bad deal, right? I mean, you know, if you know your business, you'll take the dive. <laughs> all right? You will. So, but this was a big deal. And everybody in Corinth would have understood this metaphor that he's using. And Paul says, now look, here's what I want, to, I want you to know. Don't you know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one of them receives the prize? He says, I want you to know that your job is to get the prize. Your job is to run as if you mean it. Your job is to finish the job. Your job is to cross the line. Paul says, I'm not like somebody who's forgotten that there's a finish line. When I run, I run hard. And he says, I discipline my body. I push my body down. And he says, by the way, when I take a swing at something, I'm not like a guy shadow box. I could shadow box. There's my... Got him, right? No, Paul says, that's not it. When I swing, I intend to hit something. I intend to make contact. Paul says, I'm in serious. I'm serious about this living of the Christian life. I'm serious about this giving my rights away so that others can come to freedom. This is my passion. This is what I do, says Paul. He says, I discipline my body and keep it under control. Immediately we know what he's talking about, don't we? Because what he's saying is that the old nature is trying to take advantage of it, of me. And so I have to discipline my body. I have to push it down. I have to say no to that in the power of Jesus Christ. I keep it under control, lest after having preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. Now let's be careful about what Paul is saying. He's not talking about losing his salvation. That's, that's an impossibility. He's got the freedom. The freedom has come to him. But here's what he's talking about. If you use your freedom to satisfy yourself, you will enslave yourself again. Only this time you'll be a slave to your own freedom. That young man Charles that we started off talking about enslaved himself to his freedom. His freedom, his freedom to do anything he wanted to, became the driving motive of his life. And the result of that is absolutely disaster. Absolute disaster. And Paul says, wouldn't it be ironic? 
Wouldn't it be ironic after I have been helping others to come to freedom, wouldn't it be ironic for me to come home and stand in front of the Lord and the Lord say to me, Paul, you were doing pretty good until April the 2nd, 2017 when you listened to that preacher and after that it was all downhill. Don't use your freedom in such a way that you become a slave again to your own freedom. There's, no, there's no, nothing good about that. Nowhere to go from that. So my challenge to you today is simply this. How are you using your freedom? How are you using your freedom? If we become slaves to freedom again, we've just exchanged masters and become a slave again. But if we use our freedom to help others be free then we are free indeed. So my question and my challenge to you today is, how are you using your freedom? Do we care that there is a world full of people who need to hear about Jesus? Do we understand that Sebring is filled with people who need freedom and that we are their missionaries? You know, every now and again somebody says to me, this is a bad thing to say to me because I'm the head of the missions committee. Somebody will say to me, we need to cut the missions budget so that we can put more money into local ministry. And I'm saying, what are you talking about? 83% of every dollar goes to local ministry. I've got 400 people a week. I'm training to be a missionary to Sebring. Right? Somebody say amen. What do you come in here for on Sunday? I hope you come in here because you want to be fed, and I hope you come in here because you want to be refreshed, and I hope you come in here that you can be prepared because your friends and neighbors need Jesus desperately. They really do. Now, my challenge is, are you going to be a dog or are you going to be a cat? Right? This is the challenge. Who are we, going to, who are we living our lives for? Who are we living our lives for? Is it us? Or are we living our lives for Jesus and for the ones who need freedom? It's for freedom that you've been made free. Let's pray. Lord, you made us free. Help us to use our freedom to set others free. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the freedom that you've given us. Thank you for the cost, the high cost of the cross that set us free. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You're dismissed.